0: Well, week what we said, that normal means conforming to a standard type or regular pattern. It's, it's behavior that's typical. It's behavior that's expected. And it adjusts to a standard that society has, has put in place. So the term normal usually just refers to doing something that most people do. Wouldn't you agree? Most people, Jesus talked about the broad way and the narrow way. And so basically what he said, he defined Normal, He said normal is when you're on this broad path and you'll know you're on the broad path because that's where everybody is. You know, most people are on this broad path and and you'll know it because you're doing what everybody else is doing. You're going where everybody else is going. You're thinking the way everybody else is thinking. You're dressing like everybody else. And so everybody just kind of looks the same. But I think that most of us have figured out that normal just isn't working. So when it comes to finances, how many of you agree that normal is broke? Anybody? As soon as I said finances, some of y'all went, sweet Jesus, he's going to talk about tithing. Take a breath. It's okay. If you're in a church, you don't even know what that is anyway. Some of your church friends can say, oh, God, it's coming. Just hang on. No, I'm just kidding. Normal is broke. Normal is living paycheck to paycheck. Would you agree? Let me tell you what normal is. Normal is debt. So, So, to make my point, How many of you, how many of you in here this morning would be open and honest enough to say, yeah, I'm in debt, I got some payments, I'm making some payments, I drove my payment to church, I mean, I've, hello, right? So listen, when you looked around, here's the thing, you're on the Titanic and it's going down, but you got a bunch of people with you, does that make you feel better? Probably not, it probably doesn't make you feel better. So what is normal for Americans? What was normal um, for Americans in 2020? Well, according to one website, total consumer debt for 2020 was $14.35 trillion. That's normal. That was normal. The average household consumer debt was 145000 I thought that was kind of low. The total mortgage debt, nine point eight six trillion with a T. I think I just spit on y'all. I'm sorry. I saw it. Somebody give me a towel. I don't. Oh my goodness. I thought this was really interesting. And, and, and I just, man, I just did some research to find this stuff. The total auto loan debt was. Auto loans, auto loans, y'all looking at that? Auto loans, $1.36 billion. Man, that's crazy. Total credit card debt was $807 billion. I don't know. This normal is killing us. Wouldn't you agree? You feeling better about the message now? I just want, I'm here to lift you up. <clears throat> According to CNBC website, the average debt balance by age group. And I thought this was really, really interesting. Gen Z, which is ages 18 to 23, is $9,593. Millennials, y'all ain't doing so good. 24 to 39 is $78,396. Gen X, it's getting worse. Gen X, that's... Uh, That's 40 to 55. That's $135,841. Baby boomers, any baby boomers in the house? Whoop, whoop. We're in debt like everybody else. $96,984. The silent generation, if you're over 75, I I don't know what that means. You can't talk. I don't know. I'm the only weird person that looks at it and goes, what does that mean? They can't, they're mute. I don't know. 40,925. But I got one more study that's gonna make you feel really, really good about yourself. You ready? You're gonna feel better. All the bad news, I'm gonna bring you some good news. One more study done by Wallet Hub, and this is gonna again make you feel better. Americans began 2020. We began 2020 owing more than one trillion in credit card debt. We begun 2020 before the pandemic. But we ended the year with a decrease of $89 billion. Now, don't you feel better? Look at what the coronavirus did for us. You don't know to laugh or not. I, th- I wrote that and thought, ooh, that's not funny. That's horrible. It's horrible. It's sad that it would take something of this magnitude. And then somebody in the first service, I love our church, just spoke out and said, well, it's the government. It's, it's the money they give us. I don't know. I didn't say it. They did. So we're, we're not as deep in debt as individuals, but our country. Hello, who's going to pay that back? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. So here's a thought for the whole series. Here's a thought for this whole series. If you want what normal people have, just do what normal people do. But if you want what few people have, and this is what I said last week, which is peace. And I'm talking about financial peace. And this is where everybody's been over the last few months. I think people have tightened up. We're, we're spending less money. You know why? It's because we got wives. It's because we're scared. We're literally, we're, 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 we're scared to death. I'm afraid I'm going to lose my job. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to have an income. I'm afraid to spend money because I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep my money. better than normal, better than normal, it's peace, it's joy, it's security. It's, it's security. I thought I'd say that one more time. It is security. Y'all with me? And then what we're looking for, it's a life of meaning. And then if you want that, you're going to have to do what few people do. And I'll just be honest with you, whether you're church, unchurched, I don't think it matters. I think we would all look at the statistics. We would look at the state of our financial affairs, and we would say, I want better than that. I want better than normal. I don't want to be normal financially. I want to be better. So how do we do it? How do we find this narrow road to financial freedom? And I bet you're thinking... I bet you're thinking, so now he's going to come with, like, some plan, right? Because it's mathematical. The answer to the problem is mathematical. And so you think that I'm going to lay out a plan. I've done it many times over the years. I've talked about the 80-20 plan. And it's a really, really cool plan that you save 10%, you tithe 10%. I said you tithe 10%. One more time, you tithe 10%. I am just trying to see if I can get you all on board with me. And listen, this is God's plan. And then you know what you do with the 80%? You get to live on the 80%. That is pretty stinking cool, don't you think? But I don't think the problem's mathematical. It's not. I think it makes total sense, but I just don't think that's the problem. So you think to yourself, you know what, the numbers don't add up. I spend more than I make, so the answer is to spend less. This is not rocket science. Hello, are you out there? Because you're thinking to yourself, you know what, I can figure this one out. So what you may be thinking, I've got to to work out a budget. I've got to work out the numbers that make sense financially. I think it sounds pretty solid, but there's more to it than that, right? So let me tell you what I've learned for people that are a lot smarter than me, but let me tell you what I've also learned because I've witnessed this firsthand for myself. Being broke is behavioral. It's more than numbers. Now, if you're, if you're pragmatic, if you're like my wife, because, I mean, two plus two is how much? It ain't never going to be any more than that. Hello, y'all with me? So if you make $10 and you spend $20, you're in a mess. That's what you are, right? And so you think, well, it's mathematical. It, I mean, this works out. But actually, it doesn't. It's more than numbers, and here's why. Your wallet is connected to your heart. Your wallet is connected to your heart. In fact, Jesus said it like this, Matthew 6, 21. He said, wherever your treasure is, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. In other words, if you want to know what you really value the most in life, Stop kidding yourself. Stop saying, I love my family. Stop saying, I love. Stop saying that, because here's what Jesus is saying. Follow the money trail, and that will lead to what you love the most. It's what you value the most. Now, some of y'all want to argue with me. Hang on. Galatians 6, verse 7 says it like this. Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. In this next sentence, I wrote it, and I'm just going to read it because it still sounds weird to me. But I'm weird. Following the money, you will totally understand. If you follow the money, you will totally understand why you've been reaping what you've been reaping. Somehow that didn't looks weird, but I think it's the truth. Financial expert Dave Ramsey. I thought I better throw in a few experts, and so I thought I better throw in old Dave. So if you've been in church for a while, you've heard today, Dave Ramsey. Here, here's what he says. When you sow stupid, you will reap desperate. Hello? How many, de- I don't know, you have to raise your hand. <laughs> How many desperate people? Because you've been reaping stupid. Sowing stupid, right? There are way too many of us who've made some really stupid financial decisions. Listen, listen to me, based on emotion that have left us desperate. So here's what I'm saying in case you're not following. Most, and I went back and changed this, I don't know, half a dozen times, a dozen times. Most of your financial problems won't be fixed with numbers. It's not necessarily a mathematical problem. It could be a behavioral problem, and that doesn't sound normal. That shouldn't be the message, that today I should give you a plan, something to walk away with, to say, here is a plan, 80-20, 80-10-10, however you want to break it down, that's a plan, I follow the plan, and I will be set free. It sounds like that should be what's normal. This doesn't sound normal. A lot of people think all I've got to do is meet with a financial expert and they'll work out the numbers. I'm not really smart enough to do this on my own, so I'll meet with an expert They'll work out a number, maybe put me on a budget, and then everything will be fine. That sounds normal. But how many people know that normal doesn't work? I've talked to tons of people over the years, and again, if you're pragmatic, you go, what? If you're one of those banker-type people, if you're a bean counter, you meet with people and say, two plus two is four. It's never going to be four and a half. It's never going to be five. You've got to spend less. Sounds like it should be mathematical, but that's not where the problem is. So let's talk about a couple of reasons why your financial problems may be more behavioral than mathematical. First, I may want too much of the wrong thing. Why are you struggling? Does it have to do with the numbers? Why can't you stay on a budget? This is, again, it's not rocket science. It's not that hard to figure out how much money you got coming in, how much money you got going, going out, and you've got to make adjustments. You've got to get down to the point where what you got going out is not more than what you got coming in. Hello? Doesn't that make sense? Why doesn't it work? It's because I want way too much of the wrong thing. That's why I struggle with a budget. Ecclesiastes chapter 6, verse 9. Enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't. You know what that means in the Hebrew? Enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you want. He says, dreaming about nice things is meaningless, it's chasing the wind. But you know what? I think that, that wanting what you don't have, I think it's just normal to want what you don't have. In fact, let's go all the way back to the book of Genesis. What do you say? Let's go all the way back to Adam and Eve because it's their fault. And so when we get to heaven, some of us, i got some pretty good-sized boys here, we're going to take Adam and Eve behind one of them big old mansions, and we're just going to wear them out. That's probably more true than I'd like to admit. Anyway, so God says to Adam and Eve in Genesis 2, he said, the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord, the Lord God warned him, you may eat freely of what? Every tree, you could, listen, what, look what he says. You, I don't know how many trees there were in the garden. I got no clue. I don't know if there was 10. I don't know if there were thousands. I don't know if there was 100. I have no idea. But here's what God says. You Listen, I want you to know that all of this beauty, all of this wonder, all of this, this vegetation, all of these fruits, all of these vegetables, they were created just so you could enjoy it and you could have it all except for just this one tree. And that's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you're sure to die. So what did they want? They wanted the one stinking thing they couldn't have. And, and listen, they wanted the wrong thing so much that it caused them to make a stupid decision that we're paying for. What well, I'm talking about. <laughs> Who would love to pop at right in the mouth? In the name of Jesus. With love, (laughs) yeah. Normal people want what they can't have, and they're willing to pay any price to get it. That's what normal people do. So here's what I wrote, and I wish I had changed it, but I didn't. But here's what I I wrote. I wrote this. We want the car. We want the boat. We want the house. We want the clothes. And then I said the right friends, and I thought I had that wrong. See, we want the right friends. We are created to be relational people. So we see a group of people that we think will make us feel better about ourselves. And so then what we have to do is buy the car, buy the house, buy the boat. We have to buy the right clothes so that we can fit in with people that are going to make us feel significant. And so we go into debt. In fact, I I said we sell out. We just sell out. We go into debt. And you know what happens when you go into debt? You lose your freedom. You don't have any freedom anymore. We lose our margin. And there is no time for rest. You can't afford to rest. You don't have time to rest. You got bills to pay. So Proverbs 22 verse 7 and again, you don't have to be a Hebrew scholar to know what this verse means. He says, just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is what? Now, let me ask you something. How many people say, yep, that's, I know that to be true? Again, you don't even have to be a church person. You don't have to be a religious person. You can say, you know what, I'm not even a Bible scholar. It's the first time I ever saw that verse. But I can attest that that's true. That's absolutely right. I've put myself in, in a prison financially. And why do we do it? Because we want the wrong things so much. So it's about contentment. Man, that's a tough one right there. So I'm back to Ecclesiastes 6, 9 again. Enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't. See, way too many people are so busy getting more that they don't have time to enjoy what they have. I got this from another pastor somewhere over the years. I thought it was awesome. He says this, he says, it's because our yearnings exceed, our yearnings exceed our earnings. That's just awesome right there. It's got a good beat, rhyme. Anyway. Then here's the thing. Then as a result, you're overextended and you constantly have to hustle to make ends meet. Then you're exhausted. And when you're exhausted, you're cranky. child are you That's <laughs> yeah <clears throat> you don't have time for the people that you love the most in this world and but here's listen here's the thing and you'll say you're doing what you're doing because you love the people but you don't have time to spend with the people because you got to pay the bills and then we rationalize this whole thing and, and I, I, I remember doing this this is how I feel maybe I'm the only weird one but I kept thinking, I would rationalize it and say, but this is only temporary. Hey, have you done that? Like, this is temporary. This is temporary, uh, you know, we, it's just, right now, we, ha- we had to go in debt, we had to buy the car. I'm going way over here, because like, I bought lots of cars, lots of cars. And, and so here's the thing about a car. Here's the thing about a car. You buy it, and then, and then you drive it for five years, and then when it's paid for, well, it's worn out. You've got to get another one. And so you start the cycle all over again, right? And we rationalize. We say, well, when the kids are out of the house. You know, when we get the kids out of the house, then we won't have the expense of. So we rationalize, and we say it's only temporary. But here's the thing. Things never settle down. Why? Because we aren't content with what we have. And we aren't content with what we have, so we keep pushing for more. I want to share with you a couple more verses. I don't know if you've got this yet. <laughs> I'm just here to be a blessing. (laughs) Two more verses. Two more verses. Hebrews 13, here's what it says. Don't love money. Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. Again, I don't think you have to be a Greek scholar to break this down. What does this mean in the Greek? What's the tense? I think it makes perfect sense. And then Isaiah 55. And I love this verse. I think it's awesome. You know, it speaks to a culture... Let me set this up. It speaks to a culture that food was difficult. They couldn't get up and run down to the local grocery store. So they had to work and toll just to be able to have enough food to eat. Y'all with me? So here's what Isaiah says. He said, why spend money on what's not bread? I mean, really? Is there anything more important than food? Can I hear an amen from somebody I'm just saying? You're a little nervous what I'm talking about. That's got me right there, you know. And your, labor on, and your labor on what does not satisfy. Why are you throwing your money away on things that don't satisfy? And you know what? You're neglecting your basic needs. I just think that's awesome. I'm just saying that you have to realize that our financial problems could very well be behavioral. here's a second reason why your financial problems may be more behavioral than mathematical. You ready? I just don't want the right thing bad enough. I want the wrong thing too much, and I don't want the right thing bad enough. Here's an awesome passage. Matthew 19. It's an awesome passage. Then a man came up to Jesus and asked, teacher, now notice, I want you to notice how there's there's a shift in the conversation. This guy says, what good thing do I have to do to inherit eternal life? You, You see that? Just Free, won't cost you anything extra. What good thing must, must I do to get eternal life? And then Jesus says, why do you ask me what's good? Jesus said, here's what he says, listen, this guy's talking about what do I need to do. And Jesus said, there's only one that's good. Jesus is trying to get this guy to shift. He said, listen, you're thinking about performance, see? And I'm telling you, it's, it's in a person. That makes sense? So Jesus said, if you want to enter into eternal life, if you want to enter into life, then then keep the commandments. And the guy said, well, which ones? Jesus said, glad you asked. He said, well, don't murder. Don't kill anybody. Cool. That makes sense. Most of us are. Most of us. I got that one. Right. That's cool. I got that one. Don't commit adultery. I'm not asking for a raise of hand on that one. You shall not steal. Don't give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. Love your neighbors. yourself. All. And the guy said, oh, man, this is awesome. I've kept every one of these since my youth. But listen, this is so critical to this passage, I think. He says, but you know what? I've done all of that. I've been on the performance treadmill. I've been doing all this. But you know what? Something's still missing. Jesus said, yeah, because you're on the performance treadmill. He said, what do I like? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, if you want to try to earn it, then go sell your possessions and give it all to the poor. And then you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Then when the young man heard this, he just went away sad. His heart was broke. It's not that he didn't want eternal life. You did see this in the passage, right? He comes to Jesus. He has a genuine desire. He said, I want." The right thing. I know that something's missing in my life. But when Jesus said, listen, really, what you got to understand, a decision to follow me is to give your heart fully to me. That's what Jesus was saying. And he went anyway sad. You know why? Because he had great wealth. And I think that's another important part of this passage. Here's a rich man. If this is a poor man, it means nothing. But when you're looking at a man with great wealth and he said, you know what? I have all of this, but I'm still not satisfied. but I'm not willing to give up my wealth. I'm not willing to sell out completely to follow you. You know what I've learned from being a pastor for some 35 plus years? I've learned that if you want to push the emotional buttons in people, just talk about money. For the rich young man in this story, Jesus pushed the emotional button of sadness. That's not been my experience over the years. Most of the non-tithing Christians that I've known over the years, the emotional button, who are we kidding, man, is anger. Some of y'all probably, let's just be honest, some of you, you're starting to feel some stuff right now. You say, oh, if I'd have known this, I wouldn't have come today. I'd have stayed home. Told them I watched it online. I haven't experienced any sad, non-tithing Christians, just angry ones. Angry Christians leave churches all the time. You know why? Because we're talking about money too much. I'm so sick of talking about money. Money, 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 money. But we can't feed the hungry. Yeah, we're in a, in a campaign right now. You know why? To the best of I just want, I want to do more. I want to give more away. That's it. I just want to give more away. I, I don't want to come out to you next year and say, we're going to raise $14,500 to build a house. I, I want to come out here and say, guess what? We're going to build a house. You know why? Because we're debt-free and we can. And we're going to, we're going to build two houses. I think we could build three houses. I dream about this stuff. We can't, we can't give a shelter to the homeless, all because too many Christians don't tithe. Do you realize, we haven't done this in a while, um, I don't know why, I Just maybe I should care more than I do, but we, we've done studies like this in the past, and every single study we've done in the past, you know what it says? That about 15% of the people that attend this church actually are consistent givers. 15%. And see, the truth of it is that you're angry because you don't want the right thing bad enough. And I'm not saying that you don't want the right thing. I, I've, never, I've never met anybody that said, I don't want to give to the poor. I don't want to build a house in Guatemala. I've never, I haven't talked to anybody over years that said that at all. I've talked to people that said, I can't afford to. Because I wanted the wrong thing too much and I don't want the right thing bad enough. See, Jesus was right. Money is emotional. It's connected to the heart. And money shows what you really love. It just does. So I have to ask you this question. How How do you get better than normal financially? Here it is. You ready? You have to decide what you really want. Do you want normal? Now, remember, normal's broke. Normal's debt. You know what better than normal is? Believe it or not, you can drive a car that's paid for. I know it's a shocker for some of you. I think they run better. I I don't know what there is about it. Mine seems to just run better. I remember the day we paid those suckers off there's more than one but I remember when we paid them off I remember thinking woo this thing drives good I believe it looks good and I wanted to tell people you know I wanted to ride down the road it's paid for I don't know it's paid for whoop whoop and it still runs maybe better and I wrote this down and underlined it in my notes because I think this is really critical and important I, I hang around with some of the most incredible people I hang around with a group of men that want to dig deep. And to dig deep, listen, better than normal is getting in touch with our emotions. So here's what I'm saying. So if you're a follower of Jesus and this whole message has kind of messed you up a little bit, and maybe if you're just gut level honest, if you'd say, you know what? Doggone it. I'm a little angry. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling there's emotions. There's something. You've rattled my cage and I'm, I'm mad at you right now. Then maybe what you need to do Is to say, why does this make me so angry? Did I tell you anything this morning that wasn't true? Did I share one truth with you that I couldn't back up scripturally? I mean, like, I went overboard, didn't I? I kind of went overboard with scripture. But here's the thing: you remember how many of us were in debt, and like we all say, I got payments. You've got to figure out. You, you've got to dig deep, folks. You've you got to say, why is this so emotional for me? It's the only way to find healing. Better than normal is wanting the right thing so bad that you're willing to do whatever it takes to be free. Some of you are a follower of Jesus, and God really spoke to you, and He's revealed some of your financial problems. You know what? They're not mathematical. They're all related to your heart. Maybe you just need to stop right now, and you just need to say, "Okay, Lord, help me, help me." I'm not kidding, really. Just you can pray with your eyes open. Maybe think, if I bow my head, everybody'll know it's me. We probably already know, but maybe you would say, "You know, God, I got to get I got to get a hold of this. It's destroying my family." i have to work so stinking much i don't have time to spend with them we worry and 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 toll and there's there's tension in the family because we we, we, you know who's she spent and he spent and you can't get together because there's so much tension over what you spend because you're so deep in debt you gotta you gotta figure that out and so are you willing to do whatever it takes to be free Maybe here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus and you just realize that your financial problems aren't mathematical either. This is what I love about what we do and about reaching so many people that just aren't religious people. Is that you're able to say, you know what? That made perfect sense to me. That makes perfect sense to me. I've been pursuing the wrong thing and I had this big void in my life because it can't be filled with things. I've tried that. Maybe you've realized this morning that you don't want normal anymore. And you would think, you know what? I just need Jesus in my life. I just didn't know he cared about even my finances. He cares about your freedom. If that's you, then I just want you to know that Jesus, (laughs) that God is crazy about you. He's crazy about you. He and he didn't, It's not just words. He, he displayed his love. God sent his son. His son displayed his love by willing, his willingness to go to the cross, a Roman cross. Hung on three nails to say, I love you this much. To pay for the sin debt that you can't ever repay. You have a debt that you'll never be able to pay, and I'm going to pay it for you. On the third day he was raised from the dead. And this morning, if you're not a follower of Jesus and you would just be willing to admit that the life I've been living, I've been been on this broad road. I've been doing what everybody else is doing, going where everybody else is going, dressing like everybody else is dressing, buying the same stuff everybody else is buying. And I'm just willing to admit, you know what? That's just not it. And if you're willing to give your life to Jesus, every head's bowed and every eye's closed. Maybe you'd pray a prayer something like this. Maybe you'd say, your father in heaven I just confess right now that normal is it just isn't working for me I've tried to fill my life with stuff that just doesn't satisfy so this morning I just humbly ask you to forgive me of my sin I believe that you're what I'm missing. So I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin and I'm asking you to step into my life and I want you to be my Savior. And from this day forward, I want to follow you. Father, you absolutely are amazing. Your word is amazing. You speak so much truth into every area of our lives, things that matter. You talk about money. You spend so much time talking about money not because you need our money but because money is so emotional it's attached to our heart and what you want is our heart thank you for the power and the truth of your word Lord give us the strength to live it out every day to make the decision that we want you more than we want anything else It's in the sweet name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.